this is Big Queer Book Club Podcast. With this podcast, we aim to spread the word on queer-centric literature by reading books by and or about queer people, and then we discuss the books with our guests. Our guests will be queer folks or queer allies and are generally actors, entertainers, or the authors themselves. Read along with us and help spread the word. Queer representation matters, y'all. And now, over to the show. Welcome back to part two of Sissy, a coming of gender story by Jacob Tobiah with our guest D2. So we talked so long about so many life altering things, we could not fit it all into one episode. So what you're about to hear is part two of that original episode. Keep in mind we did record this several weeks ago, over a month ago, so some uh, pronouns have changed since then, and we really appreciate you sticking around for part two. Be sure to stay tuned until the end for an update from D2 about the journey they've been on since we recorded this episode. I'm going to time jump in our questions. Mm. So Jacob goes and does an MSNBC interview with Thomas Roberts. Roberts asks, so maybe I should go back. Hurricane Sandy Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. flooded and did a lot of damage to a lot of areas. Jacob was in New York at the time, and one of the LGBTQ centers, youth centers, centers mm-hmm. was... Allie Forney. Mm-hmm. Allie Forney, yes, thank you. Was damaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a center for, like, homeless youth. Queer youth. Yeah, yeah. queer youth. So they decide that they want to do something to help get this place reopened, raise funds to help this place reopen, and comes up with the idea to run the which bridge broadway bridge the brooklyn, brooklyn bridge. bridge brooklyn bridge i don't know why i said broadway bridge that's in kansas city <laughs> and it's probably 50 yards long um <laughs> they want to run the brooklyn bridge in five inch heels and then they're raising funds for that i think they ended up raising eleven thousand dollars yeah something around it was over yeah, 10, at least 10 000, right at least 11 10 or twelve thousand dollars yeah. towards um to go towards this youth center so in amongst that, they're doing some interviews because the media catches wind of this good thing that he's they're trying to do. Uh, so during the MSNBC interview with Thomas Roberts, Roberts asked Jacob if wearing five-inch heels is reaffirming negative stereotypes. Do you think we as a society have grown from the need to stigmatize or assign specific stereotypes of queer people? So in this time period, I was talking to my wife about this. This is like the period of, of will and grace and Mm -hmm. such as that, where you have queer people as caricatures. Mm -hmm. You have Jack McFarland who, while hilarious, is the most extreme negative stereotype that you could come up with for a gay Not man. negative necessarily, but but I but think a stereotype. negative in yeah. the idea that this is this is people's representation of well, but that's a queer that's, flamboyantly whoops, queer man. That's someone's right? representation, though. so it's not negative because someone out there very well could be exactly that. I mean, they could and be exactly negative, that, but, but I, it's just I, a stereotyping of lots of assumed traits into one character sure i hear that but i think for someone who is you know some 
cis hetero person who is just stumbling onto to Will and Grace, doesn't know any queer people and sees Jack McFarland being, uh, you know, being Jack McFarland. And that is their interpretation of Well, I certainly think that that's the show's intention. Like we're trying to dramatize these stereotypes by lumping them into one person to make this palatable, to make it funny for television because we can accept funny. We mm-hmm. can't accept serious. Sure. But you don't think that's harmful in any way? You don't think the L word is harmful in any way? I think, I think they're all as harmful in these specific two references, mm-hmm. Jack McFarland, <laughs> the L word. They're harmful as much as they are helpful. Cause somebody out there is Jack McFarland mm-hmm. and somebody out there is, you know, bet Porter bet cheating Porter. and sex and everybody up. Someone else is Jenny Schechter. Gross. <laughs> oh God, Jenny Schechter. <laughs> the devil incarnate. Um, <laughs> that's not true. I don't believe in the devil. Um, I think we got off on a tangent. Yes, I'm just saying, did. I don't we think did. their intention behind it wasn't uh, it's good. Like, yeah, sure. Wanting to represent queer people, but make it palatable for the masses. Right. That's where the harm is. Trying to make mm-hmm. it quote unquote palatable. Right. Like, so I think that I still think it's a, I still think it's a negative. Okay. In the grand scheme of things. Yeah. It's what okay. we had at the time. Yes. And I think now that we know better and they went back and did Will and Grace again, and they did not make Jack McFarland the, the same caricature. Mm-hmm. That's a step in the right direction. Sure. But overall, this is the time period that we're looking at. So when Thomas Roberts is saying, Look at these shoes. They're five-inch heels. You're going to run in them. This is ridiculous. Do you think you're just reaffirming negative stereotypes for queer men that they want to wear these, you know, five-inch heels and run across the the Brooklyn Bridge like like some kind of Jack McFarland? And I think that then, okay, let's take it full circle. I think then it comes down to what you're trying to say is that yeah, there might be someone out there who is like this. So then is it a negative stereotype? I think in Jacob's situation, they're saying like, we are all a certain way individually. Why can't we just be that way? So if there's someone out there that is Jack McFarland, they can be Jack McFarland, but that is not that is not this other person right. who is not this other person, right. you know? So I guess that's what I'm saying. Why Jack McFarland is negative is because that's a representation of, I feel like they were just trying to represent like a whole class of gay men, well, yeah, I think but we're everyone is so thing, individualized differently. Yes, <laughs> probably. So anyway, <laughs> DJ's falling asleep. DJ, wake up. We're going to bring you back in this conversation. Falling asleep. <laughs> What are your thoughts on that? Do you think um, we as a society have grown from the need to stigmatize or assign specific stereotypes of queer people? I don't think that we've gotten away from that. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm trying to think of how to like articulate this, but like it sucks because the people that are stereotyped are stereotyped by people that don't know them or can't relate. Um, and so like stereotypes are created. So like queer stereotypes are created by cisgendered heteronormative people. So like, who are they to label people? They, they, they aren't, you know, and that's like stereotypes of BIPOC people are given 
by white people, you know, and like so on and so on. And so like stereotypes to me are just a bunch of bullshit because it's people that aren't part of a community or a group of people looking from the outside and making assumptions of who people are. Um, and I don't think that we're evolved enough in our society to stop doing that anytime soon, honestly. Um, and I feel like some stereotypes may be evolving and like going away and like lightening up a bit, but I feel like they're just being shoved into like new areas of, of this. And I was talking to my best friend about this book, um, last weekend and, um, we were sitting there talking about, um, just gender in, in general and just having like this really good conversation about it. Um, and I was like this book, you know, and, and some other things going on in my life. Like, I'm like this, I feel like we're looking at a transition of the queer community as well. And we're seeing where, um, the fight for understanding and the fight for, like respect and relevance has like shifted in a timeline almost. And I was like, I feel like at first it was like gay and lesbians. We like, they needed to get their rights and they needed to be understood. And like, they were the main focus of the entire community. And then they kind of got, you know, that respect a little bit more and that acceptance. Like there's still a long way to go. I'm not saying like that's completely done. And then like that was done and it was like, okay, let's move into a new group. And then it was like, oh, now the big focus is for trans individuals, but just the trans narrative we understand and know. And then there was a big push and fight for that. And like, now there's a little bit more acceptance and, you know, like, again, it's not perfect. We have a long way to go, but there's a little bit more acceptance there and people kind of understand what the trans narrative is and the reason that they're valid and and those things. And now we're starting to go into the gender non-conforming and the gender queer and gender identities because that's the thing that people don't understand. And now that's where the stereotypes lie and that's where all the focus is and people don't understand and they're, you know, mislabeling people on purpose to be assholes and like all this stuff. And it's almost just like this transition where it's interesting to me that that's what's happening because everybody has existed this entire time, Mm -hmm. but we can't just allow everyone to live their lives and earn rights and earn respect and earn acceptance. Like we have to, as like a crazy patriarchal, heteronormative, narrow-minded society, we have to just focus on a small population at once. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, I think what this book kind of brought out too, was like really helped me like see like that's basically what it is. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think some stereotypes are getting better, but I think others are like coming out that, Mm -hmm. um, We'll hopefully get better later. But yeah, I don't think we're anywhere close as a society to stop using stereotypes. No, I think my feelings on this, and I could go off on a a long tangent on this, I think, because it's kind of layered. So I'll do my best to not do that. But I think um, our North American society is so driven by media Mm. and they have so much power and control that a lot of things that the media does equally advances and hurts topics. So like it takes time, money, people to create 
a story, like to tell someone's story. And so the, you know, the people controlling the purse are like, well, we've got to make our money back. So we need the story to be the most relatable version or the most palatable version of this thing you're trying to tell. So they dilute or they shift the story to try and accommodate those people so that they can make the product because it's still going to help somebody. They're still going to be able to tell the story that hasn't been told before. So it just evolves so much between this is a story we want to tell and this is the story we get to show people. It still probably has a positive outcome on someone. Someone sees, let's just say it's a film. Someone sees that film, uh, feels seen, feels heard, feels accepted, um, you know, maybe feels better about themselves and that, you know, spins a positive thing in their life. Um, but someone else goes, God, they're just like, that's, they're just assuming this. And like, that's not my story, you know, like, so it does as much good sometimes as it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But I think all of that ties back to how much we in North America rely on building everything we do around media. Mm -hmm. But I will say, mm -hmm. I think that that's where books maybe are the, like Almost the, the sort of the, the shining light in that, in that it's much easier to, no, it's not easy, but it's easier to get a, a book published mm -hmm. or to share your story, especially with technology now. Yes, you can self-publish. Yeah. You can self-publish. You can share your story with a lot of people much easier than you used to be able to. Um, and if you're in control of that story, you get to tell your thing. Again, maybe, maybe you get to tell the exact story you want to tell. Maybe you have to alter it a bit. But I think... Like, yay books is my mm -hmm. message because mm -hmm. I think you can, it's a little easier to tell more diverse stories mm -hmm. via book. The problem that we have discussed in that is that... Nobody if, reads anymore? Well, nobody <laughs> reads anymore, but if you get someone to publish your book, your super queer book, most of the time, it's a small publishing company yeah. that doesn't have they money have and clout advertising dollars yeah, yeah so your reach is still very yeah. small unfortunately absolutely which is why big queer book club is trying to do what it's trying to do absolutely we get <laughs> we've been lucky enough to get contacted by some mm -hmm. new authors mm -hmm. that send us their new books and we try and push them out and all you know 25 of our followers maybe go look at this book and read this person's book and that's just 25 more people 25 more mm -hmm. copies but you know, that's what we have the ability to do right now. That's all we can do, but we're doing it. Mm -hmm. Read more books. That's, that's my message. <laughs> that's how it starts. Try to get the domino effect going. That's how the wave starts. Oh. Ah. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> uh, Jacob mentions their disdain for the fight for marriage equality, stating they believe it to be trivial compared to other queer community battles. Thoughts. Thoughts. Discuss. <laughs> That's Kendra's question. It drove me a let little you start. crazy when they were just like, fuck marriage equality. I don't give a shit. I don't plan on ever getting married because I'm not going to buy into this institution, blah, blah, blah. So why are we fighting for it? And I was like, listen, listen, I'm going to get that piece of the pie <laughs> because it's my fucking right. Yes. So why are we bitching about the fact that if it wasn't, even if it wasn't fucking marriage, like we're still fighting for a piece of the pie and yeah, it's probably just scraps, but we have to fight for something. And I understand Jacob saying we should be fighting for 
other things that seem more important. But I don't think we should knock any fight no. along the way. Right. No. There's so many. I mean, bigger message. We shouldn't have to fight for any of this shit. No. <laughs> but we do. That's the situation we found ourselves in. So we have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's enough of us that we all can pick something different to fight for. Like, let's all help each other fight for these things. Because we're not in a perfect world where we don't have to fight for any of it. So I didn't get I didn't get the feeling that it was like fuck marriage equality sort of thing. It was just like out of all the things we picked, that's the one you want to lead with. There's so many to pick from. And that's just a matter of perception. Like that's important to you. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not as important to them because that's not something they prioritize in their life. Yeah. I mean, I guess like because they were like just knocking marriage as an institution in in general. And I was just kind of like, okay, like judgy judge, like back (laughs) up a little bit. Yeah. Because if we're wanting to be like a loving and inclusive family here, like don't shit on my marriage. (laughs) So, yeah, you're entitled to that opinion. I just don't, I just don't like people telling me that something that is important to somebody else is shit. I, I agree you know, with that. so yeah. like, I wouldn't say that about the thing that you like. So don't say that about the thing that I like. I feel that. Especially when it all comes just down to equality. Yes. So that's my. Right, D2. I can see you having opinions on the other side. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm in a, a tricky situation with this um, just because of a few things. One, I only came out a few years ago. Um, I have been in a heteronormative marriage for 13 years. Um, that is now over. Um, and as we go through the disillusion process of like ending that marriage, like my view of marriage has changed almost very similar to Jacob's, um, just because like, I've looked at it as they, the government has taken something sacred that should have never been part of our government where they can sanction and control it. And they've turned it into a piece of paper that we have to pay for. Mm -hmm. And they've allowed that piece of paper to turn into a right. And they've restricted that piece of paper from people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in turn, on the other side of it, (laughs) to say, I no no longer want to be with this person, like, we have fallen out of love, and this is where we're at. I also have to pay the government again and go through a bunch of stuff to get another piece of paper that says, you are now broken from this bond. And I, so my outlook on things is just like, I don't think the government should be a part of marriage at all. Um, and so I kind of see where Jacob's coming from on that, where it's like, like the government shouldn't even be involved in it, period. So like, I can kind of see like, there's other things that the government does have to be involved in that we could be fighting for because like, they shouldn't even be involved in marriage. The hard part is, is though they are involved in marriage. right? And so like, if you're going to fight, and I think that kind of, possibly comes down to like the timeline thing I was talking about, like where it's like the big focus was like gays and lesbians. And then like, now it's like shifting into trans and now it's like shifting into gender nonconformity. So because the big focus was gay and lesbian couples, it was an easy fight because you had the manpower behind it to like get enough people to, to show up and say, no, I want this right. 
Um, so I understand why that was the fight. Um, and I'm in no way saying that like marriage equality is something we shouldn't have fought for. We should have, like I said, from the beginning, the government should have never been able to control that piece of paper and say some people can get it and some people shouldn't. Um, but yeah, I, I just had kind of like a, like a wishy-washy, like, I don't really know where I stand on this kind of opinion, but that's just because I'm where I am right now. I feel that. I agree with you. In college, <laughs> Jacob was the only genderqueer person and becomes the token, quote-unquote, in their groups on campus. How is the idea of a token harmful? Amanda, do you want to lead us off on this one? <laughs> How is a the idea of a token harmful? I believe that that puts unearned pressure on that individual to perhaps be things or fill a space that does not pertain to them. The end. (laughs) (laughs) I think it turns the token person into a mascot. Can, yeah. At that point in time, because, oh, this, so I was Kendra the lesbian in high school. This is my friend Kendra. She's a lesbian. <laughs> you had lesbians in your high school? We I we had a few actually. Yeah. Oh, wow. What was I that know, like? I was a uh, actually and this is a, a story for another day, but my high school experience as a queer person was pretty chill. Um not as much for other people and like someone who was just a year ahead of me that was a friend of mine could tell a lot of horror stories. So, you know, I've had the opportunity to thank that person for the work that they did. So it was a lot easier for me, mm-hmm. but, um, also I'm a pretty confident person in my sexuality. So like, if you wanted to try and give me shit, like good luck to you. D2. Did you answer this question? Did I didn't, did, I, I don't really have anything though. <laughs> no. she D2 didn't have anything to add. Story of her life. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Dang. That was a joke, D2. I love you. Don't. I'm right. well, you know, we're, we're six tomatoes. minutes past, so I'm, I'm going to just jump. I'm kidding. Oh. So in the book, Jacob comes out to their youth group leader at the age of 12, which was paramount in helping them be comfortable in their sexuality. I mean... A, what are your thoughts on the fact that they chose to come out for the very first time to a, a youth group leader from their church? Mm-hmm. And then B, did you have anyone like that in your life? D2. Um, did, you, did you grow up in the I church? I did not. No. Okay. So yeah. So I, I don't have um, a lot of experience with that. Like um, I have my own opinions on organized religion. Um, I... I thought though, that that was a testament to like how welcoming his church was, mm-hmm. um, because that's not the story that you often hear, um, right. for any queer youth is that they yeah. came out at church. Um, so the fact that Jacob did that, it was like, I was like, Whoa. And then the reaction was very positive. Mm-hmm. Um, which then I think made what we talked about earlier with the, the talk so shocking, Um, that it was like, they came out to their youth leader when they were younger and everything was great and they were accepted and whatever. And now you're being 
like telling them to like um silence themselves it's just weird a weird mm-hmm. just like you know? so controlled by the Opinions. organization mm-hmm. the the man as it were oh, like sure. we we know you personally and we accept you and we love you but we still have to fit into this black and white mm-hmm. your story doesn't fit into that so we're gonna need you to either keep that to yourself or we're only gonna let you tell certain people you know it, it's just like mm-hmm. one step forward two steps back every time they do mm-hmm. this yeah yeah for sure so but then i mean yeah it, that was I feel like for, yeah, like you said, D2, most people completely unheard of that that would have happened that way. That never would have happened in, if I was more involved in youth group and stuff like that at church, that would never have happened. Um, But then I think it's like later on, we also see Jacob as an adult going to church Mm -hmm. on Christmas in a in a dress, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And their parents freaking out about it. And then mom later on having to apologize because right. what she thought was going to happen. I mean, I I can just imagine like she is envisioning everyone in the church, like looking over at Jacob and like whispering to each other and like this murmur of whispering throughout the entire congregation because this one person is wearing a dress and that she is going to have like everyone after, after service is going to come up and be like, Jacob, blah, 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 blah. And then she's going to have to figure that out. And she still hasn't reconciled that within her own brain and all this kind of stuff. And then she's like, Oh no, none of that happened. Like not even any of that happened. Not a single person came up to me and said, why is your son in a dress? Mm -hmm. And So I think that, you know, I kind of wondered, like, is that because Jacob was who they were, like, throughout their life and everyone was able to see that? And Jacob was the kind of the model for those people at church Mm. of right gender like it wasn't jacob's first time at that church with that congregation walking in wearing a dress everybody else different than what they expect Mm -hmm. to see versus this is jacob that we've known their whole life always been here that's this is jacob yeah i Mm think i think that that probably had a lot to do with it Mm -hmm. but i think if you just need to give people that opportunity and i think it goes back to their testimony or testament or whatever the fuck it was called like you need to give people the opportunity to expand their their minds because they might surprise you yeah i was trying to remember like the breakup that's why I was flipping the book to see if I could find like when he broke up with the church. Oh, right. That was a really interesting part. Was it early college? Um, It was right before it was end of high school. End of high school. Was it after the the senior sermon? Yeah. Yeah. It was after the testimonial thing. Because it wasn't the testimonial their junior year. Like their junior year. I think their junior year. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then senior each senior did a senior sermon mm-hmm. um, and in the senior sermon. I absolutely loved that because, you know, Jacob is, and it's not like, I think a lot of people's experience with breaking up with the church is that like, uh, I think it's such a, um, I mean, and this was obviously negative for Jacob, but I think it's more 
of a traumatic situation as in like you have um, made me feel so terrible for so long that I cannot be any kind of part of this. I renounce my religion. I'm now struggling with my faith and I am struggling with you as people, mm-hmm. like individually and as a whole. And I cannot be around this anymore kind of a thing. I mean, that was my experience at least. And I think in this, it was like a, I was, I was really into this whole thing. I believed in this whole thing, like this youth group. And I thought there was so much that was so great about it. I loved you all. I trusted you all. And I'm just, I'm just so disappointed. So yeah, the typical story I think we're used to hearing is boiled down to very basic components, of course, is like the church has forced you out. Mm-hmm. We we do not accept mm-hmm. you here. We want you to go. Mm-hmm. Versus Jacob's story, just as unfortunate as everyone else who experiences something like this, but was more. They've they've set these parameters, and I just mm-hmm. can't exist within these parameters. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. refuse to limit myself to these parameters. Mm-hmm. So I have to take a break from you. Yeah. So it I was, need to step away so you can grow. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is not a story that we hear very often, mm-hmm. but a good story to have heard. Yeah. I think that's the theme of this book is yes. perspectives and stories that are just uh-huh. like so outside the normal uh, narrative that yeah. You know, yeah. very eye-opening. Well, and I think that, I mean, that shows you the, the type of like, it's almost as I was reading this, I'm like, Jacob, are you like, just seeing you're just seeing things in such a different way mm-hmm. and i'm part of me wonders like is that kind of retrospective as you're writing this right. book are you able to like you know in you your hindsight life can, experience yeah, now. yeah and so you're you're just remembering things with your new wiser whatever but um or like are you is someone saying something to you like feeding you this thing that is telling you to think in such a different way. Like he has, they have such a different perspective. Mm -hmm. I know I would like to, I wish that I could sit down with them and have Mm -hmm. a conversation. I was just going to say on the topic of of coming out, I was super moved by the snail analogy. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, I actually shared it on Instagram and I had like a ton of people like reply to my story about like just how poignant that was. Mm -hmm. And like, it really, um, comes down to like the whole closet mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know, like, if you wanted me to read that part yes, please. and mm-hmm. like talk about it. Cause yeah, I just thought please. it was like amazing. When you think about it, us queers are a lot like garden snails. Anyway, we love flowers. We have beautiful curly shells. We are slimy and understand the power of proper lubrication. See, this is where the humor comes in. I appreciate it. <laughs> we leave a shiny glittering trail wherever we go. And did you know that the most that most snails are gender neutral and play both male and female roles in procreation? That many snails gender multiple times change gender multiple times throughout the course of their lives. More important, when you fuck with a snail, when you make it feel like it's in danger, it'll go right back into its shell. It will protect itself. You'll no longer be able to see its gorgeous, glistening, alien-like body, only a hard shell of its former self. When a person hides in the closet, we act as if they're responsible to come out. When a snail hides in its shell, we don't delegate responsibility the same way. A snail only hides in its shell because the world outside feels hostile. If a snail recoils at the sight of you, it's not because the snail is cowardly or lying or deviant or withholding. It's because you've scared it. 
When queer people hide our identities, it's not because we are cowardly or lying or deviant or withholding. It's because the world and the people around us felt predatory because someone scared us intentionally or unintentionally, and we are just trying to protect ourselves. Like snails, we are too defensive. And I thought that was yeah. like one of the best ways to describe why it is so hard to come out. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Well, and the idea that we are always coming, coming out. out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you two ever have the, the moment where you're talking to some random ass person that you don't know and you say, well, my spouse or something to that effect my significant other. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I've Instead of saying my wife. And they're like, so are you married? I am. What's your husband do? And then there's that panicked moment where I go, do I say wife? Do I say spouse? Mm-hmm. Do I say, I'm not, I don't, do I I'm not they? married to do a man. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and that, oh, I hate that. I have to have that thought mm-hmm. and that feeling. It's yeah. Every single That time. was the, my whole coming out process, which I won't get into here, but my whole, my resentment every time was I shouldn't have to come out. Yeah. This is just who I am. Mm -hmm. This is just who I'm dating. This Mm -hmm. is just who I'm marrying. I shouldn't have to. No one else, none of these heterosexuals or other sexuals around me have to, other sexuals do. None of these heterosexuals around me have to (laughs) come out Mm -hmm. and say, mom, I'm straight. Mm -hmm. And I am, I am a male uh, presenting and I'm dating a female presenting human. Mm-hmm. They don't have to do that. And it just made me really angry mm-hmm. that it, that I had to, I don't have to, mm-hmm. but you do. It's complicated. Let's yeah. not talk about it right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's infuriating Yeah, because it is a daily struggle. Right. So if the world were just kind enough to, to constantly be welcoming and accepting, it would feel fine always to say mm-hmm. my wife yeah my whoever because you wouldn't have that fear that something bad was going to happen to you the second you confirm mm-hmm. possible suspicions or whatever yeah well that's yeah. the thing like if you just if you have an inclusive mindset you have inclusive vocabulary and so if you're talking to someone like if i didn't know you when we met and i was just like oh are you married yeah oh like who's your spouse like I leave that open for you to have a comfortable conversation about who your wife is. Mm-hmm. But if I just make assumptions and I'm narrow-minded, you fit, you make people shrink into that shell again and go, should I come out? Like, is it right. safe to come out of my mm-hmm. shell and be honest about who I am and who my mm-hmm. spouse is and like whatever. And so there's a definite like mind shift that we need to have as a society where like our language is just inclusive. And I've been trying to do that. Um, you know, with the language around he, she, and they, then like, I've been trying to refer to as many, like just natural conversation. I try to refer to everyone as they just so then I am never accidentally misgendering someone I don't know, because I mean, that's the thing is if I don't know you, how can I, how can I assume your gender? You shouldn't be assuming genders. And so, yeah, yeah. I've taken everybody, pretty much everybody, they until, Mm -hmm requested otherwise Mm -hmm. yeah i agree it's it's the like i I don't even want to say it's the safer way because that shouldn't be a part of it but but yeah like it's it's uh applicable to most or all Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it takes away the pressure of other things for that person i have a question specifically for you Mm. d2 oh 
the question is feel like a diva <laughs> I, I know right god she's such a diva um you have a child do, do you plan to raise them with a specific set of gender expectations why or why not and do you feel any differently about this topic after higher rating this book What's wrong with my mouth after having <laughs> I was gonna say after having read this book, but in the midst of saying it, I changed it to what I was reading, which is do you feel differently about this after reading? I can't talk. Why does anybody why did somebody say it was a good idea to do a podcast? Uh, I don't your idea. I you should have said, Amanda, you're an idiot. No. <laughs> no. I will never say that. Let, I'm gonna cut that whole thing out. Do you, want to, okay. do you need to reread it? Do you need me to read it? D2, you have a child. I do, do you, I, don't, I won't even say plan. Do you raise them with a specific set of gender expectations? Why or why not? And do you feel differently about this after reading this book? Yes. Um, no, I do not raise my son with any, um, and I have never, which is, it's interesting that, I feel like I have so much work to do when it comes to like understanding gender and like having a wider perspective and like all of that, because I have never raised Toby to like, and I've never like said the words like boys don't do that. Like, Oh, I don't know if you should do that. Like I have always just had a very open mind of basically whatever you want to wear, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to buy. Like, I really just don't care. Um, and my ex, I remember Toby was, I think he was like two or three. And we were like, um, picking out, uh, treat buckets for Halloween. So we were at Walmart and like, I mean, it's just this long aisle of nothing but treat buckets. And I was like, pick whatever bucket you want, like whatever bucket you want. I don't care how big, how small, whatever's on it, whatever bucket you want for Halloween candy. It was the first year he was going trick or treating. I was like, whatever you want, we're going to buy it. And so he's, you know, just wide eyed, like walking up and down the aisles, like what bucket should I get? And he picked the Disney princess bucket. And I was like, awesome. And I like, and it was bright pink, like whatever. And, um, my ex was just like, Oh, like, are you sure? And I said, you need to stop like before it even left his mouth and yeah. he like looked at me and I was like, do not say what you're about to say. Cause I know what you're about to say. I know you're about to say, are you sure you don't want to get one? That's more boyish like that. Like if that is a like parenting issue, we're going to have, like, we're going to have to work through that if you're not going to have that mindset, because like, I remember like my parents were never really like that with me. Like we've talked about um, except like pushing the dresses and stuff like that. But like, if I wanted GI Joe's or I wanted transformers, like they always bought me that shit. They didn't care. Um, but I remember the pressures of other people in my childhood, you know, the kids mm -hmm. at school and other parents and like, you know, things like that were my aunts and uncles that didn't like, they weren't as progressive as my parents with that. And so I remember that as a kid, like always feeling bad about like wanting the boy thing or whatever. And I said, and my, I mean, luckily his dad was just immediately like, oh, that's fine, whatever. And like, I think he struggled with it and he's gotten better as the years have gone on. Um, Cause he was definitely raised in a different way. Um, but yeah, we've always like, I used to paint his nails all the time when he was a kid. He loves Legos. He has like seven of the girl, you know, Lego sets. Like he's like, I really want one of these instead this time. And I'm like, all right, you know? And so we would buy him that I've never raised him. 
um, that boy, like boy and girl things, you know, it's always just been one way or the other. Um, he's, he's, it's interesting to watch him grow up because he's very, um, it's funny how some things are very gendered for him and some things are not like toys, things like that have never been very gendered for him. Um, but his clothes, like he's always like, same thing. I'm always like, you can wear whatever, like it's always just been very gendered. Like he just wears boys clothes, like, you know, um, and yeah, school has definitely had an impact, I think at times in his, you know, gender journey, but, um, he stopped painting his nails when he went to school. Like he stopped doing certain things when he went to school. Um, but we've been having a lot more conversations around, gender and like gender identity and like just you know as he's coming into you know being a teenager like um you know being queer like all of those types of things I have no idea what he'll grow into I will love him no matter what but we've definitely been having a lot of conversations basically like you can be whoever you want and I will love you no matter what so just do whatever do whatever it is that you want to do and I'll be here to support that and um a couple weeks ago, he was like, can we go buy some nail polish? And I was like, yeah, like we can go buy nail polish. Like that's fine. And because he was very against that with school, you know, I mean, and he's been homeschooled with COVID, but, um, and so I just was asking him as I was painting his nails, I was like, so when school starts, are you going to stop painting your nails again? Cause he's going to be back in person. Um, and he'll be in middle school which it was like the timing of this book was amazing. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is like the, what Toby's about to, you know, start mm-hmm. experiencing. Um, and he was just like, I don't care what people think anymore. It's awesome. And I was like, yes, thank <laughs> you. Like, I'm so happy to hear that because like, I just hate that like other people in this world can like stifle who you are because we've all experienced it. Like I experience it still as an adult. And so to hear my, you know, 12 year old just be like, I don't care if people want to tease me for my nails being painted, they can tease me for my nails being painted. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. I hear that a lot that people raise their their kid um, you know, up to like kindergarten or sixth grade that their kids like, cool, whatever, no big deal. And then yeah, the outside world mm-hmm. as they're being exposed to it more are like, oh, I obviously shouldn't be doing that because right. my friend doesn't do that. And they told me, Why are you playing with the Barbie? And right. Boys no, 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 play with I'm not playing with the Barbie. It's yeah. just happened That's to be there. That's when the indoctrination begins. Like mm-hmm. the parents mm-hmm. have lost total control, mm-hmm. you know, because four hours a day, six hours a day, eight hours a day, they're in the presence of other children and other adults mm-hmm. and other perspectives. Yeah. yeah. Which per- perspectives are important to expose your children to, but like the, the systemic things in place are just so overpowering right now mm-hmm. well and I think like the, Jacob talked about this in the book like the importance of having supportive friends and I think mm-hmm. that's what Toby struggled with for a while yeah. like the kids in the neighborhood um and the kids in school were very um kind of bullish when it came to like who you were and who you had to be mm-hmm. and like he I mean Toby definitely has like some feminine energy which I love and embrace um and I don't think they were very kind about that and so he kind of retreated into like himself, like he was in a shell, you know, and like he didn't go out very much and play. I'd be like, are you going to go out and play today? No, nope, no, I'll just stay in my room. And, um, you know, I've let him, 
you know, tr- like do that trajectory on his own. I've never forced him to go out and play. Um, and he has a new friend in the neighborhood and they've been friends for a little bit over a year now. And, uh, and that's another boy and he's a year younger than Toby. And, um, he's just like, and I was like, cause I'll, I'll do check-ins just to make sure. Cause it's like that thing, you know, with Jacob's mom, like the check-ins of like, it's not that I don't accept you and I don't embrace what you're doing. I just want to make sure the world isn't hurting you, you know, cause you have that mom instinct. And so when he, when he painted his nails a few weeks ago for the first time, um, he went and played with Brighton a couple of days later. And I was like, did Brighton say anything about your nails? And he was like, oh yeah, he said he wants to paint his too. And I was like, it's awesome. Oh, okay. But yeah, he said we can match. And I was like, okay. Heck yeah. And I was like, anytime. And so it's like, it makes my heart happy that he has like yeah. another boy in the neighborhood that's supportive because the other boys in the neighborhood have been more, you know, resistant to who he is as a person and not accepting that. And so, right. That's yeah. awesome. I'm so happy for your son mm-hmm. to have that yeah. support. Um, let's start to wrap it up. I have two more things that I for certain want to ask. One of them is like a light one and one of them, maybe not. So (laughs) Jacob writes about how everyone has a coming of gender story, regardless of their own gender identity. How has this memoir made you consider and think of your own sense of gender? And do you have coming of gender stories or moments of your own? Kendra. Yeah. um, So especially recently, I've, so I've always been, pretty like strong in my sense of I'm a woman throughout my life. So when I was little, um, I was devastated when I realized that I was never going to actually be a boy. And, and like throughout my life kind of realizing it's not necessarily that I wanted to be a boy. I just wanted to do quote boy things Mm -hmm. and was not allowed to do a lot of those boy things. Um, like I wanted to play with action figures. I was only allowed a certain number of Ninja Turtle toys to play with because, you know, my mom wanted me to play with Barbies, but I refused to do it. And, you know, that type of thing. Um, but then as I got older, you know, I kind of realized I have this like certain power as a woman that that I was really into and had kind of kept, but I also like to, wear mostly men's clothing and, and stuff like that. But I never like, I never feel like a man, but I also at times, um, I, I'm still struggling to express it in a way because I don't feel like I would consider myself like a, a they, but I do, but I am kind of realizing that, that blurring of the lines, mm-hmm. you know, um, I will never wear a dress unless you force me to, I prefer <laughs> no to wear, to. right. I prefer to like the only time I've, I've worn a dress as an adult is for my own wedding. And for, if I'm in mm-hmm. other people's yeah. wedding party and they w- ask me mm-hmm. to wear a dress, like, fine, whatever, it's your day. Um, but yeah, I prefer to wear ties and, and things like that. And like I shop for women's pants because I have a large ass and big <laughs> hips. So like, that's what fits me, but I dress in the men's section for most everything else right? and that type of thing. 
So, yeah, I mean, there is a, an interesting blurring of the lines that I have become more open to in my head, but I'm definitely still exploring that. And mm-hmm. this book has kind of helped out with that a little bit more because, yeah, I think we discussed earlier, like, oh, we have to define it. Right. We have to have a clear cut. Yeah. Like, you definition have to pick of, a box. Yeah. What? <laughs> like on the spectrum, where exactly are you at on that line? Sure, it's a spectrum, but where on the spectrum are you? Pick a yeah. spot. Yeah, so that's where I'm at right now. Okay, D2. Yeah, I've definitely been going through like um, just the last couple of years, I think, um, you know, just, just accepting and coming out as queer was big. And then like, I kind of just like sat in that for a minute and then just started like having the mindset of like, I've always wanted to just be myself. I've always wanted to be out. I just never felt like I could. And then it always felt like weird. Cause it was like, oh, okay, well now I'm like married and like, I have a kid. Like it was just, it was a lot as you can imagine. And so then like, once I was out, I kind of sat in that and like, oh, this feels great. You know, I can just kind of be who I am and whatever. And then it got me thinking like, what are all the other things I've always wanted to do? And I've been scared to do because I was feeling like I needed to fit into this heteronormative box. Um, and I remember like back in high school and college, like, like early college, like late college is when I got the pressure of like fitting into a gender box. Um, but like high school and early college, I was playing sports. And so I think it was easier for women when they're playing sports to blur that line. And no one ever questions it or thinks it's weird um, because you're an athlete. And I, it's just so stupid now that I think back on it. But um, that's when I was just myself. Like that was when I was my happiest. Like I was wearing more men's clothes. Like I didn't like put makeup on all the time. Like I didn't worry about a lot of the like feminine woman things to do, you know? And, um, when I started thinking that I was just like, you know what, I'm done. Like I'm done fitting into this box. I feel like I need to fit in, like I'm out with this. So why can't I just be out with everything, you know, and just be who I am and stop caring about what people think. Um, and so I like purged my closet. I got rid of a ton of shit that I was like, I, if I had the choice, I would never wear this again. So I'm not going to keep it. Um, And then, um, right before COVID hit like December, um, 2019, I guess I was, I've always wanted short hair. Like I cut it short. Like I did it in like transitions. Like I, my, my friend is my person that cuts my hair and she was like, I don't know, like, are you sure you want it short? Because it's been long for a while. Like, let's just cut, like do like a short A line and then like have it for a week or two. And if you still want it shorter then you know, you want it shorter. And I think I went five days and I was like, nope, it needs to come off. Like (laughs) just cut it. So I went back over and then we cut it to like a shorter, but still shaggy. Like it definitely wasn't what it is now with like, you know, most of it shaved and like just longer on top. And, um, and I've, I've still struggled, um, you know, recently, as you guys know, cause I mean, you see me all the time, but like my hair was longer a little while ago, you know, like a month ago. And it was, um, I was worried when it was this length that it was too masculine and what that, like what that looked like and what that did. And like, if I was wearing more feminine clothes that day, I felt weird. Like I couldn't be both things at once. Um, and so I let my hair grow out. Like I wasn't necessarily happy about it, but I was letting it grow a little bit to get a little shaggier, to get a little longer. Um, 
and uh, Dom, you know, shaving their head actually. Who's that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just a friend of mine. I don't, oh, you cool, probably cool. don't know them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I forget that you don't know them. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they shaved their head and then, um, you know, that was just super inspiring that it was like something they always wanted to do. And, um, you know, they had the the strength to do that. And uh, I was just like, you know what, like, what am I scared of? And so like, I immediately just went back to this haircut and I've been super happy the last couple of weeks. And yeah, let me yeah, say, I just hair looks great right now. Oh, thank you. I've been like <laughs> just say, staring at it. I'm like, God, that looks so I good. I know, right? <laughs> Hashtag sexy as hell hair. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's just, this book really helped me, um, like, you know, Kendra just said, like, we just really understand that, like, it doesn't matter, like, your entire outfit could be a mix of whatever the fuck you want it to be. It doesn't have to fit in a box. Like, your hair, your makeup, what you're wearing, how you're walking, how you're talking, like, none of that has to fit in one box. All Like, they can be in 20 different boxes all at once, and it doesn't make you any less valid or, you know, whatever, Um, and I really embraced that, you know, the other day when I took, um, my pride pictures on the staircase, you know, I, I showed up and my best friend took them and he was like, I love this. Like, it's like, just like, it's just you, like, it's just Mm -hmm. a mix, you know, like I had on like women's jeans, like, you know, tight skinny jeans. I had on like a men's polo, you know, like I had my hair, but I also had like a little bit of makeup on, you know, and I felt great. And I was Mm -hmm. just like, why have I been so scared to just be this like modge podge of gender? Um, and like this book, the way Jacob kind of does that, I was just like, I think it's just given me like a validation that like what I want is okay. And I need to just really get past like the scars from before of people telling you, you have to fit in a box. And like, even the people that are still out there that that think that, um, just kind of telling them to fuck off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. And you. And me. Soggy tomato. What do I have to say about what this? What are you feeling? <laughs> um, <laughs> how has this memoir made you consider and think of your own sense of gender? How has it? It has. Um, my experience, I think maybe has been a little different because I was allowed, like, six or seven years old, chopped my hair off, started dressing from the boys' clothes section. And I only, ever, like, I got home from school played outside until the streetlights came on. Like I pretty much lived the the thing I wanted to do. I do remember telling my friends that I was a boy in my mom's belly until the very last minute and something changed me into a girl. Like I remember being six or seven or eight years old and telling my friends that. And I, I think back on that and like, I wonder why I said that to them. Like what inspired that conversation? Anyway, um, but then I hit high school and I definitely tried to assimilate. I, st- I grew my hair back mm-hmm. out cause I had it where I had long hair on top, not terribly different from now, but I like shaved it. I had my, uh, hairstylist buzz the sides. I told her I wanted the sides shaved. And so I had like longer than this hair on top. And I told her I wanted the side shaved. So she did, but she didn't, I wanted it shaved with a razor to the skin and she didn't do that. So I went home and I was super frustrated. We were actually, I like went to my grandma's first and I was upset. My mom's like, why are you upset? And I was like, I wanted my head shaved with a razor and she didn't do that. So 
we, I think they're in my grandparents' bathroom. She got a razor and shaved my head for me to the wow. side. I don't know why I wanted that haircut. <laughs> Honestly, I almost got a cut <laughs> tangent. But have you ever seen the movie Tank Girl with Lori Petty? Yes. I asked my movie. mom if I could get my hair cut like that. She basically like has no hair on top. <laughs> she just has a ring of hair around the side. And then she like cross layers it so it looks like she has hair what i don't know why i wanted that haircut but i did and my mom said i could have it so this was like my interpretation of that i didn't get rid of the top but i shaved bald to the side on the sides in the back and how'd that go how'd that work out i loved it yeah yeah okay. it was great um none of my family understood why i wanted to do that but after that that was like eighth grade so freshman year i don't know felt the need to assimilate and so i started growing everything back out and definitely tried to live more like a quote unquote girl through high school, mm-hmm. grew my hair really long. Yeah. I don't know. That was a confusing time. I don't want to talk about it <laughs> right now. It's going to take too much time, but, uh, I don't know. After 20, when I went to law enforcement actually is probably about the time when I was, it's a male quote unquote male dominated field. So I don't know. There's like, you have to be functional in that. I cut my hair off because I didn't want to deal with hair. Like people can grab onto it, mm-hmm. pull it, use it against you. So I cut and had really short hair for those reasons, which made me look like a stereotypical, you know, lesbian. I was called as such by many people I sent, uh, took to jail, but, uh, they also like put like, you're a female officer. There was a, like a mm-hmm. lot of pressure. Like you're not one of us. You're a female oh, yeah. cop. Like you're a female athlete. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that played into that too, is where I was in this weird, where like, I don't feel overly feminine, but I'm a, I'm a female cop. Mm-hmm. So that I think was confusing, but then I, you know, I'm not a police officer anymore. Kind of went away from that. And recently I had, so it actually ties back to, to this Big Queer Book Club. There's a lot of times when I've said, we're just two queer white women from the Midwest. And the last few times I've said that, as soon as it comes out of my mouth, mouth bleh, as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, white woman from the Midwest, that doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, I'm like, I don't feel like woman is the right word for me. She feels okay. I talked to my wife about this this morning, kind of caught her off guard, but I was like, she feels okay, but woman doesn't feel right. So I think she, they is probably more accurate. I don't know why woman doesn't feel accurate, but he wouldn't feel right. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty certain of that. So I would say like, then I read this book. I'm already kind of having these thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then I'm, I read this book. And I'm like, you know, yeah, that's just so Jacob talks about like, you don't have to choose a box and it can, I think they say in there, like it's ever changing just because mm-hmm. you say, you know, I feel this way now. doesn't mean you're committed to that forever. Mm-hmm. Like we force ourselves to pick a box and then you already checked that box. You can't check another box. But guess what? Uh, It's select all that apply. And in this case, it's several. So like it can be a number of things. I Uh think it's really important that they, that they call that out. Like it can change. You don't Uh have to pick one and stick with it forever. Yeah. That's your prerogative. And hopefully you have people around you that will support you in that. But it definitely made me think more about that. The thoughts that I'd already been having about woman doesn't feel appropriate 
And I, so I think I'll continue to read more books on this uh-huh. to see mm-hmm. what I think about it. But she, they feels appropriate right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of I looked at my Instagram feeling. profile with it. You nice. Know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely been thinking about that too. Like, uh, like she doesn't feel wrong. Right. Um, but I also just don't feel like very connected to a lot of other like female driven mm-hmm. vocabulary, if that makes sense. Like obviously yeah. makes sense to you because you're, you're talking about the same exact thing, but yeah. Um, and I also don't mind being called they, I think some people get right. insulted by that. No. Um, and like, I don't, I mean, I'm perfectly fine with that. And so, yeah, I've, I've been bouncing back bef- between the, like, do I just stay she, her, like, do I do she, they, um, cause I don't, I don't have a preference that I would prefer they before right. she, right. like I'm, it's just equal to me. Like I don't, either one is fine, but yeah, like he does not, like, I don't associate with that at all. Mm. Um, even though I feel like I have a lot of ma- like masculine energy right. and just Same. kind of like, um, you know, have that come through quite often, but like, I have no association in my head to being a man or being act actually masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting that you, you said that cause I was thinking the same thing. I just, I didn't bring it up just now. Um, cause it's still something I'm working through and trying yeah. to figure out like, but like you just made a really good point of like, it can, it can be fluid. Like you can say that you're she, they now, and then in two years, just be like the, they doesn't like, I, yeah, I do feel more feminine now. And so now I can be, she, her again. Like it doesn't, you don't have to just tick a box and just stay that way forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And I think that comes back to a big message too of like, we've said it before and I think it's important. Like you need to see it to be able to be it. You need to see the stories, hear the stories, write the stories, whatever, you know, ultimately like, I wish it wasn't this way. I wish you didn't have to say that. Yeah. It's okay for you to be that way, but it is, it, that's where we're at right now. And it is mm-hmm. important. So for me, like, yeah, it was like affirming to hear this from someone else. There needs to be more. It needs to be, it needs to be required reading. If you ask me in like middle school. Mm-hmm. I think your hat is very like appropriate for today because right. like clear representation like this, matters y'all. I mean, it does like, it really does. Like, yeah. I think this is a good example of like, um, of that, like twofold, like for me, it's like, I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, and I, I can say this with a hundred percent honesty. Um, I don't know if Winona Earp had not come around and Waverly Earp had not existed if I would be out right now because I didn't have representation of a bi character. Um, and seeing that character and having them be a valid character on a TV show and being so well written and portrayed. Mm-hmm was just like, it was everything. I was just like, holy fuck, like, this is real. Like what I'm feeling and what I've always felt is a hundred percent real. Mm-hmm. And it allowed me to have that introspect and just say, I think it's time that I just live this truth. And because now I can see that it is valid. Um, whereas before it wasn't. And so same thing, like you have these questions and like, you know, I've been exploring gender and what that means and, and kind of going back for the last year, year and a half. Um, but like reading this book was really just like the, okay, I think I could do she, they, and like, it would feel right. And mm-hmm. it would feel, I would feel comfortable. Cause that was another thing I was always cautious of is I don't want to like do it just because I have a fleeting thought 
or because, and I don't want it to ever come across like I'm doing it because it's trendy because I think a lot of other people do like, Mm -hmm. I feel like some people do it for that reason as well. Like it's trendy to be that. And they haven't actually done like the internal work and I'm definitely not accusing anybody of that. And like, I don't want it to come across that way, but I feel like, like I've seen that in my own life with Mm -hmm. just being queer. People think it's trendy and fun to do. And that's where you get like the experimentation and all that. And, you know, people get hurt in that way. I think the same thing's happening with when it comes to gender right now too. And so like, I was just being cautious because I've seen it happen with other people that I didn't want to come across as being trendy or doing it for the wrong reasons. I really wanted to make sure that I did the work and really thought through before I said, you know, this is, this is what I feel comfortable with right now. And so this book definitely helped and like just the conversation we're having right now is helping. So. hundred percent. Yeah. I think one of the things that um, Jacob said when they went to that uh, common ground group at Duke mm-hmm. and were forced to pick a, pick a box. Pick a side. And, yeah, pick a box. Um, even though it was, you know, amongst a bunch of queers and they thought, okay, I'm going to go in and hopefully it'll be uh, accepting of my branch well, they call, of the yeah, queer they, they asked ahead community. of time, like, you're, you're prepared for me to be there. Mm-hmm. And they said, Absolutely, hundred percent, and then not at all, not even and a little, not, like not slightly. No. But one of the things that they said to the group was, "I don't identify that way because I think it's fun, or because I think it makes me interesting." Right. And I think that, I mean, even that little line, like you know, from what I I do know and have experienced with gender nonconform, like gender queer and trans people, even that, like, still opened my eyes a little bit more to. Uh, you know, like the the moments when you accidentally misgender someone, and kind of that realization of, yes, it was it was an accident, but also there's that part of my brain that is not fully uh, understanding of the gender nonconforming whatever. You know, there's still that piece of my brain that is trying to put them in a box, right? And we're conditioned that way, so it will take mm-hmm. work. Yeah. To yeah. F- that switch off. That's but the, the unlearning. Legitimate, yeah. You know, identification. Absolutely. And so. My, my wrap up question, if you will, mm-hmm. what's a fashion risk that you've been afraid to take, but have always wanted to try? Oh, I take them anyway. Yeah. I was, more appropriately, maybe, is there any fashion, fashion risk that at once you were afraid to try that you eventually did try? How'd that turn out? Like, how'd you feel afterwards? Yeah, I mean, I love wearing like uh, ties to work and suspenders, and um, I generally wear like men's style shoes to work. That type of thing. Um, I mean, and pretty much once I got an office job, that's what I did. I mm-hmm. went out, and these are the shirts that I bought, and uh, someone got me a whole bunch of skinny ties for Christmas, and it was amazing, and have kind of built up my arsenal of, of clothing over, over time, but then learning that it doesn't have to be just like a, a men's clothing, learning that I can wear like my skinny pants that hug my, all my curves and my womanness, but then wear this like this button up shirt and tie and 
you know, like my, my tall boots that go up to my knee, right. you know, that yeah. type of thing and yeah. feel like such a fucking badass and in, in all of it. <laughs> Do you have an example D2 other than maybe you're, I was going to say probably your hair that you talked about, like would be the, yeah, the my hair would be like big. I'm afraid to, but then is there anything else maybe? Um, I mean, one that I've, I've always wanted to wear a suit. Um, I've never done it. Good in a suit D2. Um, do that. Yeah. (laughs) Can I send you a suit? I don't have any, but can I get one and send it to you? (laughs) Sure. Um, yeah. Send me your measurements. I'm going to get you a suit. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm, I'm losing weight. So that's another thing. Like I want to have like some good curves for a suit before I wear one, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so a suit is always, you know, something that I've wanted to um, pull off. And I think that's becoming, I mean, even just for like feminine girls, like Absolutely. that's becoming like a new, like, you know, mm-hmm. all like all Suits in thing. Hot. So Everybody's like, wearing suits. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, it's funny because my, my, with COVID, like it's hard because like the last year or so is when I've really just been like, you know, broadening my, my wardrobe, all this kind of stuff and COVID's hit and I've been home. And so mm-hmm. like only a few people have been even seeing me with like my new hair or anything. Um, and my best friend is often someone I see, you know, at least once a week. And so, um, him and his boyfriend are just like, so accepting, like his boyfriend's only known me cause they've only been together a year. So my, his boyfriend's only known me as, as this version of myself, Whereas Jake, we've been friends for like five years. And so he's seen this huge journey of like, you know, everything. And, uh, I just remember the first few times I met Alex, he was just like, I just love your style. I love, you know, and I was wearing like men's like short sleeve button ups and like jeans and like chucks. And, you know, that's just who I am to him. And he's just always just been like, this is, I don't, I can't see you in the other way because mm-hmm. to me, like you just so, you look so comfortable in your skin. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's funny cause Jake and I, we talk, we work for the same company. And so we talk about, um, he's like, when we, when we go back to work, like if we ever go back in the building, like for any reason, I will both probably be working from home permanently, but he goes, if we ever have to go in the building for like a meeting or something one day, like, I don't know if people are going to recognize you yeah because like you have like, cause I cut my hair before COVID, but it was the shaggy cut. No one's like actually seen me. Very few people have seen me in person with this haircut. I'm also covered in tattoos now because I got like 10 tattoos during COVID. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like I dress completely different. Like, and so he's like, I, you could, you probably will walk down the hallway and people won't even know it's you. And I'm just really curious to see if that happens. <laughs> too. I, um, a few weeks ago went and actually like stalked your Instagram, like oh, went yeah. back and looked through. Cause I hadn't I did done that, that a while ago and I showed yeah. Jesse. Well, <laughs> and, um, I, I did not recognize you at all at first. I was like, Oh wait, I think that what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, so, so different. Right. We've only met, we've only met you, you know, via zoom, never mm-hmm. in person, unfortunately yeah. someday, um, as the, as you now. As and so <laughs> as you, um, and then, yeah, looking at some of your older pictures on Instagram, it's just, like your mind is like, what? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not D2. Yeah. Sort of abrupt, but that was the end of the original episode. We always have such a great time chatting with D2, and this time was no exception. That's why we talk to D2 every other week, because we just can't get enough. Um, you know, if they weren't already crazy busy being an awesome human, we would ask them to be a permanent co-host. In fact, I have asked, but they're crazy busy, so... You know, maybe someday in the future. 
I can safely say that this book held up to its guarantee. You will never look at gender the same way again. I certainly won't. I'm still on my own personal journey of discovering who I am, but I think if I'm doing it right, um, it's a journey that won't end. This is a constant evolution. I will say that I'm lucky enough that the universe has gifted me some pretty supportive people to travel alongside in the meantime, but um, if you haven't read this book yet, please do. You absolutely won't regret it. Lastly, here's a quick update from D2 that was recorded just this week for the end of this part two. Hello, loyal listeners. Uh, This is D2. You have gotten to the end of uh, part two of this amazing uh, podcast. Uh, This was filmed, actually, um, and recorded a couple months ago, and it was only meant to be one episode. And as you can tell, you know, we had some very important, deep conversations, and this book was absolutely life-changing. And so it became two episodes. And because of that, I was asked to uh, add a little recording to the end of part two. And here I am. Thank you so much for uh, listening to this episode. It was a very important one for me personally. And uh, I, as you could tell by listening to the episode, have become very good friends with Amanda and Kendra. And I cannot thank them enough for inviting me on this podcast one thing that I tell them in our Queerdos chats that we have bi-weekly, we mentioned, is that everything happens for a reason. That is one of the main mottos um, that I live my life by. And this book and this podcast is a perfect example of that, in my opinion. You know, Amanda and Kendra had asked me previously last year to do an episode. By doing that episode, I became friends with them. And they asked me back. You know, we decided to do a book from start the wave resources. The first book didn't work out. And at that point I said, everything happens for a reason. Let's just pick another one. And we picked Sissy and for no apparent reason, it was just, this sounds cool. I've been thinking about gender, like, let's just do it. And, uh, nobody at that point had known that I had been on a very, uh, personal gender journey for almost a year at that point, trying to figure out how I really felt inside and who I really was. And this book, just completely changed everything, you know, uh, took away the fear. It helped me feel valid and important and seen. And as you heard on, on this episode, um, you know, I talked about adopting they and my pronouns. And as soon as we got done recording, I added uh, they to my pronouns on Instagram and my email and, you know, things like that. And then, uh, it was she, they, and then, tried that on a little bit and it still didn't feel right. And so I flipped it to they, she, and then once it was they, she, and people were changing the way that they saw me. Um, it was, it was like a breath of fresh air. And I have since, um, a couple weeks ago, come out as non-binary adopted they, them completely. And, uh, it has been so beautiful. And yeah, this, this podcast, um, this book, the amazing people in my life, um, have just completely changed everything. And I could not say thank you to the universe enough for aligning all of these beautiful moments 
to get me here to my most authentic self. So I'm going to leave it at that because I'm getting emotional and I don't want to cry on here. Um, thank you again for listening. It means a lot to me that you wanted to hear me talk this long, but also that you're supporting my amazing friends, Amanda and Kendra, um, and this amazing podcast and that you're also supporting start the wave, hopefully, um, as well. Start the wave holds a very dear place in my heart. Again, brought me on this path to this moment. Everything happens for a reason, but follow start the wave on Instagram. Check out our website, startthewave.org. Like I said, in episode one, we have our funded projects, um, second set of funded projects coming up. I just, I cannot wait to have the world see this um, amazing set of projects, just like the first ones and getting to join, you know, the first and the second rounds and just making all of these amazing waves and positive change in the world and supporting just amazing, amazing humans. Yeah, I cannot wait. Um, Big things are happening. Um, Big waves are coming. And we, we thank you as an organization for all your support. And thank you again for for sticking with us and um, I'm sending you all so much love and light bye before you go please don't forget to rate review and subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts and then be sure to follow us on our social media we're on instagram at big queer book club pod and on twitter at book queer Our outro music is the song Hell by KC-based musician Nicole Springer.